0: I'm Emily Renneberg, and this is Even Strength. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. We're back. We have a great episode lined up for you. Thanks for tuning in. So if you're a young athlete competing in a sport that's featured in the Olympics, the chances are you've at least had a fleeting thought about trying to compete in the games on the world stage. But who wouldn't? Millions of people watch the Summer and Winter Olympics and to represent your country in your sport at the most prestigious athletic event globally is a pretty big deal. But have you ever thought about the odds of making it? And no, I won't make you do math because the team at ASAP Science has already done that for us. So based on difficulty ratings and averages determined by sports scientists on winter Olympic events, the most difficult sports are hockey, alpine skiing, speed skating, and figure skating. Most kids are training at elite levels for these sports by age 10. And with Canada's population size compared to much smaller countries, the odds are even lower to be able to make the Olympics in these sports. But that doesn't mean it's entirely impossible. My guest today has beat the odds not only once, but twice to become one of the biggest names in Canadian and even global figure skating.
1: Hi, this is Jamie Soleil, World Olympic gold medalist in Paris figure skating. I am now a motivational life coach and a huge advocate for people with intellectual disabilities.
0: Now, Jamie is pretty famous for being involved in what many call Skategate in the 2002 Salt Lake City Games. Without getting into the technical aspect of pairs skating scoring at that time, suffice it to say that her and her partner, David, had skated absolutely flawlessly and their performance was viewed as a sure bet for them to take home the gold for Canada. After the judges released their scores, the gold went to a Russian pair and caused a massive rift in the skating community. The Russians had made an error in their performance and by all accounts should have taken the silver. Instead, Jamie and David were awarded second place. But this was a massive deal. It was quickly determined that there was cheating and that a French judge had been pressured into voting for the Russian pair, regardless of their performance.
1: It was hard. That was really hard. Um, We knew because we'd seen the Russians' marks and we knew they'd made a mistake or at least at least one big one. And because of their marks reflected that. So when we skated as well as we, we did and we beat them, technically, our marks were higher than theirs. Technically, it was in the second mark that we saw number two, the ordinal number two come up and we went, what? And we were sitting there in an immediate shock of like, what just happened? Like, what is going on to going right behind where the athletes go after and you have, to do, you have to face the media to crying and playing complete victim and feeling sorry for myself and David and David was much better than I was. I was a puddle. I just was like, so upset. I couldn't believe what I was experiencing because I thought like, after all this hard work, you guys, judges, you guys meaning judges were taking that away from us um, to going out on on the podium and, and 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 really just keeping my head high and not taking away from the Russians moment. Like it was important that we get out there and we, you know, you don't make a scene. You you They were the winners that night. So you be, put your, you know, hold your head high. That wasn't easy. Um but I knew that was what was important. you know everything started started to happen where everybody was everybody was upset, and there was a lot of talk. We heard right away that there was a scandal. We got off the ice, and by the next morning, the news was out. Then it was just a whirlwind for us we We literally were like household names um everybody every talk show, one of us on their show, every magazine, one of us on their cover it It was just overwhelmingly busy, exciting joyful uh scary it was all kinds of emotions um you know we even had basically undercover police following us everywhere we didn't know it at the time thank god because i that would have made me panic but it was real like it was it was a scandal and there were gonna we needed to be protected but we were also going on all kinds of we were on an incredible journey and from that moment on we just decided that you know you can only control what you can control and we we did the best skate we could that night so now we're just going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about any, any other bad stuff. And every interview we did, it was all positive, And
0: we're proud of that. Jamie took the experience with grace. Being an athlete of only 24 at the time and caught up in a global sports scandal is something you can't really prepare for. Shortly after the incident, IOC upgraded their medals from silver to gold, and the Russian pair kept their gold too, since they weren't at fault for the scandal.
1: Yeah, Emily, that's training. All these years, that's, you know, your coaches, your parents, your your psychologists, anyone that you've worked with really works with us as athletes on that kind of stuff. And I think also, I think it's my upbringing too, is always being kind and treating others the way you want to be treated. And, and it's important to be a good loser because, you know, we're not always going to win. And I, it's really important to work on all of that with young children because today we you know all kids get medals and all kids are champions and it's like well actually we're not and you know there, there's going to be first second and third and then there's fourth and tenth and fifteenth and it's okay to be there and I'm grateful that I experienced being fifteenth and twentieth and and eighth and whatever you never want to take away from somebody who's, ha- who's, who's achieving, right? And so um, I think that was the biggest thing is that by being supportive of what's happening right now, you, or you look like a champion that way. So that's what we just stuck to.
0: Now, Jamie was quite young when she attended her first Games. At the age of 16, she was in Lilyhammer for the 1994 Olympics.
1: Well, so my first Olympics was really fun and I was just like a kid in a candy store. I had big eyes and I was experiencing so many things for me because I'd competed internationally, but I hadn't been to that stage yet at the Olympics. And the Olympics is different because you've got all the top athletes in the world all together, um, not just figure skating. It was so hard to stay focused because being so young and not being the top team in Canada there, I was just there to have a good time and have a good experience. So I was I was easily distracted. I was like, I want to go there. I want to go watch bobsled. I want to go watch speed skating. I want to go watch hockey games. And and it was just there was so much to see and do. And plus, oh. Lillehammer was incredibly beautiful. So that experience was was fun. But then what it left me with, Emily, was the fact like just simply like I want to go back there and I want to be on the podium the next time I go back. And it gave me that real taste in my mouth, literally to have that, like, to, I'm going
0: to come back here, represent Canada, and I'm going for a medal. After accomplishing Olympic gold in 2002, she retired shortly after. It is very well documented that many elite athletes suffer emotionally, socially, and even behaviorally after they stop competing at such a high level by dedicating much of their young lives to achieving excellence, sacrificing much of their lives for their sport. Once that ends, many athletes don't know where to go and what to do especially when adapting to quote-unquote regular life. Jamie had earned Olympic gold by 24. Life moved on and she had to move with it, and that's when she found her path to becoming a life coach.
1: Ooh, that was really interesting time for me because I retired from skating. I was remarried and we were having a baby, and I was living this life of joy and laughter and happy. Like I was so thriving. And then all of a sudden, after about three years of just, you know, I was just, and not just, being a mom's a full-time job, I hate the word job, but it's, it's full time. And, and so I wasn't bored, but I was waking up every day and the word I was using was pissy. Like I was super irritable and just like grouchy. And, and I was like, what is wrong with me? I've got everything I've ever dreamed of and I've accomplished my dream. And, and I'm looking at my house and my family and our health and I'm going, okay, there's something not right here. So I reached out to a life coach and I said, told her all my problems and all my conditions. And she just laughed. She said, Jamie, you've stopped dreaming. You know, and, and, and you talk like if I even asked uh, 10 of your listeners, do you have a vision? I bet a lot of them would say I don't on paper. They might have thoughts or things in their minds that they think about, but it's not on paper. And so my whole life, I had mapped that out and I'd stopped doing it. And so it was kind of getting to me. And I realized that I didn't have this vision of what this next chapter of my life looked like. So as soon as I started mapping it out, I had a lot of uh, realizations. So all these opportunities and and this these potentials started showing up for me. And I so I tapped into them. And of course, coaching was one of them, I I, all I knew in the beginning was that I wanted to help people because I've been helping people my whole life. Um, helping people get out of their limited thinking um, mindset is is powerful for me. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's fun for me to go through transformation to see myself accomplish things and overcome things. But it's even more fun to see others do it. Um, it just lights me up. At least in my sport, they don't transition us from amateur professional and even into life. And um, that's something that I really would like to get into, because I think it's really important. I now I used to sit back and go, I will never experience that kind of high or joy again, like with as an athlete. That's not true. So it's funny, I rewrote my vision um, and it's all about speaking internationally and being on these stages and helping people around the world. And so is that not similar? If you look at what I was doing skating, I was performing on the ice to millions of people. So if now I can travel around, not today, obviously, but eventually be traveling around the world, speaking and helping people all over. That to me is like that same, it's not replacing that high that I had when I skated. But it's, it's, it's the same sort of feeling and experience that I had when I was skating. But as an athlete, you think it, after you're done, you're like, Oh, that'll never I'll never have that again. Because you know what, having children, they don't applaud applaud you. They they don't give you a standing ovation for making a great dinner. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's a very different life moving into the next
0: chapter for athletes, She's really open about the challenges she's faced in her life to become the successful person that she is today. Sport had a lot to do with feeling happy, being confident, and knowing herself, which is a story that many, many athletes can resonate with.
1: Getting to the Olympics and being on the podium this time was really my mindset. It was just like all the adversity and the struggles, like hard struggles that I had gone through, not not having a partner for three, four years Was really challenging for me, but I needed to go through all that with the mindset that I had of like, don't give up on your dream. You know, I wanted to to get to the Olympics, but I had to persevere through all these things. And I I think that's the biggest thing that I I talk about regularly is like, I just didn't quit, and I believed in myself, and I knew deep down that if I just hung, like stuck with it, I would I would I would get there. And so finally got the right partner. The the key to reaching your success one hundred percent is mindset. Uh, because I always tell everybody I'm not the best. I wasn't the best at what I did. I was the one that didn't quit. I think it was sort of innately in me. My mom used to say to me, I don't know where you get this from. You're determined and you're you're like a fighter and you just you just go for things. And she my mom suffered depression, so she always struggled with um, you know, just getting up every day. And so she would look at me and go, like, where does that come from? And but I my mom, as much as she, she suffered depression, she was also a very positive person with me. Not so much maybe with herself, but she was very good with me. And so she encouraged me to do what I loved. But I also think with the experience I've had with coaching now is I see that children sort of take on roles that they don't necessarily plan to take on per se when they're growing up. Um, But I saw my mom struggling. And so I just naturally wanted to help her. And I I was like a parent to her in many ways, like cuddling her a lot of nights and telling her that everything's going to be okay, and that everything's going to work out and she's going to have a beautiful life. And so I developed these skills as a young child. Um, nobody coached me on how to be supportive to my mom. Nobody told me what to say or how to be. It was just innately in me. I had an outlet. And skating was where I wanted to be. And that's where I felt free and I could express myself. And so I felt powerful out there when I was on the ice. I felt strong and confident. So I just, I, I really used that as my driver to, and, and then of course um, my support at home and my family and just everybody that was supportive and, uh, and positive around me. I just really used all of that to, um, to keep moving forward.
0: Jamie is still really involved in the world of sport, especially with the Special Olympics where she participates on the Alberta board and has a skating award in her name. Founded in 1968 by Eunice Kennedy Shriver of the Kennedy family, the Special Olympics was inspired by groundbreaking research done by a Canadian doctor, Dr. Frank Hayden, in the 60s. Previously, people had believed that individuals with intellectual disabilities were unable to participate in sport because of their disabilities. Dr. Hayden was able to prove that it was in fact the lack of opportunity for those with intellectual disabilities that was inhibiting them, not their differences. The Special Olympics provides quality opportunities to participate and train in sport for those with intellectual disabilities. It educates people on the program and its benefits, and now it boasts over 4.5 million children, youth and adult participants over 170 countries globally.
1: It was about 8 years ago when I got invited to my first event here in Edmonton and I was so excited when I got there, I was just like impressed by the athletes. And I remember leaving there going, okay, I want more of this, the joy they had when they were playing their sports and with each other, it was just so infectious. And I just, I left there and I said, I I want more of this. And so I got invited to be on the Alberta board at first, and then I moved up to the national board. And now um, I'm not on the national board any longer, but I am staying involved here in Alberta. And I'm it just brings me back to being that kid again when I skated and the pure joy that I had for my sport. That's, they bring me back to that. And, and cause I see it in them and, and some of them are, you know, some of them are older and they're there's, it ranges anywhere between like the athletes that I am around here in Alberta. Anyway, there's like 15 years old to, to 75 years old. And, um, but they just, they're all just so happy to be together, you know, before we, these people that with intellectual disabilities were put in rooms and told that they couldn't do anything and they weren't taken care of necessarily properly. And so now having this movement and, and the, and this outlet for them, it enables them to do incredible things. And they just, again, I just say like, if you, you have to go to an event to experience it, I can't even, the words don't even describe it well enough. You know, we have athletes in Canada that are competing, could potentially even compete at like a generic Olympics. There are, I saw it myself in, in Los Angeles in the summer games, we had a, a 50 yard dash. We had an athlete that like ran in 11 seconds. And I think, I don't know what the world record is right now, but it's around nine and a half, 10, like he wasn't far off. And so, you know, it's, I think it's, um it's also just really important. Like I said to you, for these guys to be active. And to, uh, again, it just gives them that sense of purpose and, and meaning even more to their life because now they have this camaraderie with each other and um, team sports really gives us tools for life and I think these athletes are very appreciative for the things that they're learning and they take into their own personal lives from it.
0: Being so well known in the sporting community, despite Skategate happening 18 years ago, Jamie still gets recognized in her words about twice a week and every time there's an Olympics she gets more calls for interviews. There is no doubt that Canadians know her and appreciate her personality and her skating abilities and The reason that I can say with a hundred percent certainty that Canadians have a special connection with her and David is because of the very very unique gift that they both received while on tour after returning home from salt lake and so this
1: this was all being done when we were in Salt Lake City. It was six days between our our silver medal and our gold medal and so nobody knew that was happening, not including us. And so this group from Calgary just said, well, when Jamie and David get home, why don't we just present them with, why don't we build something incredible for them? And so, again, we didn't even know this was going on. We arrived home. We had a homecoming show. They drove up from Calgary. I said, we, ha- we just need a little bit of time in the intermission to present something to you. And we're like, okay, okay. So we, we, uh, we get in this dressing room because we had a lot of requests. You have to I can only imagine what it was like after Salt Lake. So, this to us was just another request to meet us in person to hand us something that was homemade. Well, we opened these boxes and they're solid gold medals, like two of them. And not only, ah, not only are they gold medals, but they're inscribed with these incredible messages on the back in French and English because David is French um, and I'm English. And then so it was super personalized and there was a photo, there's a photo in, inscribed on the front of it as well. And um, this was the citizens of Canada, not not the government, the citizens of Canada put their own gold jewelry into a pot for them to make us these gold medals. So, you know, one day I just hope I meet somebody that actually put their, their gold in this because I just think that is the most thoughtful, kind, like it is, it just, I still cry when I talk about it because it's, I just cannot believe um, that they had done that for us. And, and, um, I really want to meet these people at, at least one of the one person one day. I know the group from Calgary, but I haven't met anybody else that's actually contributed the the gold, but it is so real. And this medal is so incredibly special to us. And I, I talk about how it just exemplifies what Canada is really all about. And, and that is, you know, our pride and our, sometimes I can't even get the words out, but I just feel like Canadians are just such wonderful people. And um, yeah, it was something I will never forget. And I, we gave them all the time that we had at that intermission because we just, we were in such shock at what they had presented us. Uh, we were not expecting it and nor did we have a clue what it was like, Gonna the magnitude of what they were going to give us was going to do to us. So, uh, it was very emotional. It's still emotional 18 years later. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because it's, it wasn't talked about enough. We did share it, but it's just like I want everyone in Canada to know that.
0: Canada ranks fifth in total medals won in the official history of the Winter Olympics. We've won 199 medals, 73 gold, 62 silver and 64 bronze. Our country is a force to be reckoned with during the winter events, and people here are incredibly proud of their athletes. I asked her what it's like being so tied to Canadian Winter Olympic sport history and so appreciated by her country.
1: Well, it's an honor. First of all, it's an honor that I'm even mentioned. I'm, I'm, I've got a title that's now awarded, and and I'm in, you know, the Alberta Hall of Fame, the Olympic Hall of Fame, Figure Skating Hall of Fame, all these Hall of Fames, and we've been given lots of awards. But truly, what, what's the most important to me is the memories that I've created and the person I've become in that whole process of of, be, of getting that title and, and becoming an Olympic gold medalist, you know, and it goes back to even being that kid and that was my outlet and the importance of you talk about health, like obviously being active is, is good for our, our physical health, but I needed it for my mental health and it was a place for me to go. And like I said, to express myself and to get away from the things that were, were hurtful to me and the things that were hard on me. And, um, you know, Emily, they say when you die, you, um, and I know that sounds heavy, but when you die, people don't remember necessarily the things that you've done. They remember how you've made them feel and how you've impacted them. And so we talk about success and we talk about titles and we talk about medals and trophies and everything. And yeah, those are wonderful. Like, you know, it's nice to have them and look at them and everything. But it's more important that what I take from my whole life so far is is the way that I feel I've impacted people, and um, that means more to me than than anything. And and we're also proud of our athletes for the way they've handled themselves, the way they spoke, the way they you know they carried themselves through their journey, and um, but also the tools that we give people being able to speak out now, I I talk about mental illness, because I have I've had anxiety in my life, my mom's had depression, the tools that, you know, I can now help other people by sharing my stories and my struggles. And so this is what I feel is more powerful than even that gold medal that I have. And I I hope people take that the right way. Because that to me is,
0: it's, it's, it's more important in life. So by now we understand that sport isn't everything in the life of an elite athlete. At least it shouldn't be, and it isn't for Jamie. She's just welcomed a new grandchild and is incredibly proud of the environment she's been able to create with and for her family.
1: I think I'm most proud of the fact that I'm raising well-adjusted, happy, healthy children despite, you know, the circumstances that I've been through, which is a divorce, so we're a, and we're now a blended family. I think I'm really proud of where the kids are at, where my husband, my ex and I are at and how we've adapted to that, how we're raising these kids who are not feeling stressed and um, nervous and scared and having to pick sides. We we all love and we're all tight and I know that's rare. So I have to say, Emily, that's what I'm most proud of today. In and yeah, I'm a proud of my skating and stuff, but, you know, there's so much more to life than, than what I did in my sport. And so, again, I go back to impacting people. And I know that the, the three of us parents are impacting these children very positively because we're showing them even through, you know, a divorce or these challenges that we've had with family um, that we can still love and we can still grow up healthy and happy. And to me, Emily, success is, is, really, is really happiness because I know a lot of people who have had great success and aren't happy. And so that's saying like money doesn't make you happy, neither does success. And I've realized that through the second part of my life is I, I had everything, I had this great success. I, was, I had money in my bank account and I'm like, I'm not that happy inside. I hadn't find, found my true purpose and and what I truly love moving on to this next, in this next chapter of my life. But when I realized that I was happy You know and it was internally so to me now that i have found that internal happiness and my purpose i i feel that success so i i've re i've redefined what success really is for me and so i do what i love and i feel like i'll never work a day in my life
0: i want to extend a massive thank you to jamie for being an amazing guest on our podcast this week Thank you all for tuning in again and keeping up with all the episodes. You can find out content updates on Instagram and Twitter as usual at evenstrengthpod. We will be releasing more interviews, so stay tuned and get excited for more content. Until next time, take care.